Our church background is one of almost a checkbox religion. You had to look a certain way, you had to act a certain way. I couldn't even serve a nursery because I didn't look like them. You had to wear dresses. You had to sign like a contract that you would not go to a movie. It was all about following what you were told to do from the pulpit and don't ask questions. We were getting to the point of questioning God. Our oldest son has high-functioning autism. We could find churches that preached the gospel. We could find churches that had a heart for missions. We could find churches that had great community. But what we had the trouble with was finding a church that would help our special needs son become a follower of Christ. We tried to just go to different churches and it made it very difficult because we couldn't just drop him off. We felt like we had to tell them background information. When we first came to Northside, we were prepared to lay all the information down to the children's ministers and to the leaders in there and the volunteers. Hey, these are the things that you need to, to watch out for. These are the things you need to do to help Eli. And the great part was we were told instantly, don't worry about this, we've got it. They put us in a place of comfort almost instantly that we had never had before at a church. It was the first time in years that I've actually got to sit in church without having a child next to me. But I also knew that he was being taught in Kidside and learning what he needed to learn. One of our biggest fears was that he would not want to be uh, a part of groups within the church. And it's actually been the exact opposite. Eli is the one who wanted us to come to church here. He begged us to come to Northside because he can see when someone truly loves him, and he can see when someone is being real. And he, from the very first time he went to Club 252, saw that it was real. What we have experienced at Northside is something that everyone should experience. The compassion, the desire of the people from day one to include our family, because of having a son like Eli, it has given me compassion towards other moms that are going through the same thing. And my heart just breaks for them, and I want them to be able to experience the same thing that we have experienced. A lot of churches provide for the parents, or they provide for the kids. Northside has included all of our family and made a place for us to sit at the table. And that has been a blessing that it's hard to put into words. And it's allowed us to grow as a family in Christ. Man, I love your heart. I love your generosity. This is the heart of God that he's saying, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what's going on. You got a seat at my table. And I love that Eli, since Christmas, he's been serving on the coffee team, man, getting everything ready because it's going, no, you know, Eli, it's not just that we want you here in, this, in the church service or we have his kids for you. You have a role to play. You are a table setter, Eli. And uh, this is the beautiful call of God on all of our lives to say, no, the church, this is us together moving and serving and making room for others to know who Jesus is. And this is why we're doing this whole setting the table initiative as we're going, we want to make as much room as, as possible for folks to 
know and to follow Jesus. And I want to invite you, if you didn't get a chance to pick up a commitment card over the past couple weeks, or if you want to hear more about what all that we're doing, you know, we're increasing our kids' side space. We're out of room there by 63%. We're going to turn our centrum into a two-story uh, children's facility. We're going to add 500 seats in here. We got all sorts of things going on over the next two years. And what we're saying is we're going to do this in a one-fund initiative, meaning this, everything that you give on the weekend goes towards setting the table. And we're saying we're asking for 100% of us as a church to take our next step of generosity discipleship, which simply means this, that 100% of us would pray, God, how are you calling me in a generous way to help set the table so that others can know you? And that's what this whole commitment card is all about. We'll have them at the Yum Center on Wednesday night. If you haven't had a chance to fill that out, we'll actually have a commitment weekend at the end of this series on February 29th and March 1st, because we're just saying, hey guys, we just wanna pray. Father, what would you have us to do? Because we want to set as big of a table, God, as you are calling us to set. Matter of fact, I, I had a mom uh, last week and she came up to me after service. She says, Nate, I need to, need to confess something to you. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go, right? You know, and she said, um, sometimes life is so hard that I, I bring my kids to Saturday and Sunday service and I just need to get that off my chest. And I said... Hey, that's all right, man. There's room for that. Now, not, not all of us can do that, all right? You know, and especially don't drop your kid off and go to Meyer. all right? We, we ain't gonna do that for you, all right? I'll be back in an hour. No, you gotta stay on campus. But here's the thing that God is calling is he's going, no, we know people are going through things and they need to know who Jesus is and they need to have a place to belong and they need to flourish in the life that God has called us to. He has set the table and he's called us to be table setters to set the table so that others can know him. And a matter of fact, I'll be honest, as I've been going through this card and, and on the back of this, it has kind of a, it's just a, a tool to help you pray and plan, God, what do you call me to give? And on the back has kind of a giving chart where it kind of helps you identify, is there a number that God's calling you to? And I remember Ruthie and I were going through this and I, I identified a number. I'm like, I think that's what God's calling me to give. And, and then I began to pray about it. God had a different number. God ever do that to you? And he's like, uh-huh, that's good for you. That's not what I'm doing. And I remember telling Ruthie, I'm like, hey, I had this number picked out, but I think God's calling us to do more. And, and this is what I told her. I said, I'm not sure how we're going to do it. And she said, I had the same feeling. And what happened was this. We began to talk about this. And, and this is the question. We felt like God was calling us to do more. And I got to let you know, over the next two years, God is calling us to be more generous than we've ever been in our life. And it is scaring me to death because it's requiring more faith than I've ever had. But this is the question that come, kept coming up into my mind as I was praying about this. And this is the question I've realized is this, that is, has never left me since high school. And what I'm realizing is we'll probably never leave my whole life. And it's this question, will I have enough? I mean, will I have enough to do what God is calling me to do? You ever been there? Some of you are going, it's not even about what God's calling you to do. You're just going, I'm wondering if I'm going to have enough today. And, and, and what I'm finding is that question never leaves us. Part of the reason why I was thinking, I'm like, okay, God, I want to step into generosity. I want to set tables. I want to be a table setter. But I began to think about this. I got three young kids. I'm going, college tuition's going nowhere but up. And then after that, it's like, hey, good luck. You paid off college. Now try to retire. It's like, well, I just paid for my kid's school. How do I retire after that? And then we had a financial planner come and talk to our staff because we want to continue to equip our staff to be great stewards of what God's given us. And one of the things the financial planner said is this, you guys need to plan for your future because something you need to know is this, in the year 2035, Social Security is going to run out. Well, I'm glad you came. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm like, you're not encouraging anybody today. And let's be honest, we're asking that question, aren't we? 
Am I going to have enough in this life? And here's what I found fascinating. I'm going, God, I want to step in all you have, but I don't know if I'm going to have enough to do what you're calling me to do. And and I'm just thinking of all this stuff, and I am consumed by it. And then I was struck with this reality. Isn't it interesting that I am more worried if I will ever have enough in the period of time that this is the wealthiest the world has ever been in the history of the entire world? The history of the entire world. We are the wealthiest the world has ever been. And I am worried and thinking, am I going to have enough? I'm telling you, that question will never leave us. It will always be there in the back of our mind, no matter what season we're in, no matter what life circumstance, we're always wondering. Matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, I preached at the Rising, our high school service on Sunday night as we kicked off the Table Setter series. And uh, the, the high school team, I love it. They said, hey, you're gonna preach and then here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna buy a bunch of appetizers because we're talking about setting the table and we're just gonna eat together out here in the lobby and we're gonna hang out together. It's gonna be a great night. I'm like, I love it, man. I love it. Let's, let's get around the table together. And uh, you know, I preached and after we all went over here and when we walked over here to the lobby there was this long line because more high schoolers showed up than we anticipated and here's this long line and what everybody ran they just said this they yelled back as they go we're out of food here's what I found out high schoolers do not understand what the word appetizer means right all they understand is dinner and uh, we thought you know oh they'll take two or three buffalo wings maybe they'll take one mozzarella stick they took two or three dozen buffalo wings each we're out and we the staff we just looked at each other Kelsey Mays one of our student ministry uh, uh, pastors she goes I'll go to Little Caesars I go I'll go to KFC and literally I went over there they probably thought I was going to rob the place and uh, poor Brandon the manager I ran in and I'm just running in I go give me all the chicken you got it's like like they're ready to open the drawer they're like I said, empty it, man. Whatever you got in the warmers, throw that popcorn chicken in the fire, man, about 20 minutes. You know, we, we loaded up. I came running back in here, literally came running back in the lobby. And this is what I was greeted with, with the high school students. I'm thinking the Little Caesar's back. People are probably eating, you know, pizza. We're all good. I walk into the door, got a couple bags full with me, and they just look at me. They got this look in their eye. And they, all I hear them say this, get them. They just came at popcorn chicken is just flying. I didn't even get to the table. They ripped the bag of sauce open. I'm like, what's, y'all need Jesus, my man. You know, I'm just going, what is happening? I go, what happened to Little Caesar's pizza? They go, they ate it. (laughs) Talk with Jacob Bales, one of our student pastors. I just looked at him and he goes, we didn't have enough. (laughs) We didn't have enough. And then I'm telling you, this question, what I'm realizing is this, it will never leave us. I don't care how old you are. I don't care anything's going on. We were always wondering about this question, will I have enough? This is why we are talking about setting the table. This is why we have these journals for you to dive in. Because this is what I found, that God in our life, we will have two tables that we will sit at. We will have the table that God has prepared for us in Jesus. And here's what we learned about Jesus. He is always more than enough. And here's what we also know, the world is preparing a table for us. And here's what the world says, this is what's at their table. No no matter how long you feast on it, no matter how much you sit at the table, what you'll find is this, what the world sets for you is never enough. It's never enough. No matter how much money you make, no matter what relationship you have, it's just, you'll get it, you'll achieve it, and then you go, yeah, I thought there would be more. Matter of fact, this is what I learned about marketing today. The top five ways of marketing, I, I didn't know this. I'm not a marketing guy. I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't go, you know, I don't have an MBA. I don't have any of that stuff. What I learned about marketing is this. The top five ways that they market, the number way is this. The number one way of marketing today is this. Inadequacy 
marketing. Meaning this, everything that is marketed to you and I is always trying to get us to understand that what we have is not enough and what you need is what we have. This is why every commercial, right, they want to create such a sensation, such a feeling, such a view, right, that we, we see it and then this is what we say. I want that. <laughs> I don't have that, right? And not only is marketing, not only is inadequacy marketing, another, another, I didn't realize this, another thing that people are using today as, as you buy their stuff, one of the things that is coming out is there is planned expiration dates that you and I don't know about in the stuff that we're buying. Matter of fact, Apple came out and confessed this last year that when people bought the iPhone 10, what happened was this, if you had an older generation iPhone, if you had an iPhone 6, 7, 8, any of those things, and you did the software update, what happened was your phone slowed down. And what they finally confessed was this, we did that on purpose to you. There was nothing wrong with your phone. What we wanted you to think is this, my phone is so slow, I need that. They planned it. They planned it. See, this is what we're not aware of. People are going, no, 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 we're gonna feast on this fear that you do not have enough, you don't have enough battery, you don't have enough of this. And not only that, it's a perceived expiration date that people are advertising you. Some of you look at me and you go, Nate, did you know your haircut is 12 years out of date? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do 12 years ago, I quit caring. I love it, man, when people do the high and tight and they got the line down the side, I'm just too cheap to get that done every week. It's going to be me and that old man at Walt Disney World, you know, where he's got like the white shoes and the black tube socks and cargo shorts. I'm like, that's my man right there, right? I'm going to buy him a Diet Coke. We're going to sit down and chill. I'm like, you don't care. I don't care. My man. But what happens is in marketing, they give you this perceived image. They want to show you that what you look like is out of date. You don't have enough and you need what I have for you because you don't have enough. You don't have enough. And then here's the trick that comes along with that. We begin to believe that and we do that, but we go, man, I can't pay for that. And so you know what they start doing? Well, one year, interest-free credit and consumer credit has come along. And what people are saying is this, we would love to give this to you because we know we're going to make money off of you in the future. And what happens is when we get into debt and we start getting all this credit stuff going, what's happening is we're spending money we don't have yet and we're stealing from our future and we're bringing it into reality because we're going, I, I, I need this right now. I need this now. Career Builder gave this data release last, uh, last year. I thought this kind of blew my mind. It's simply this. This is why we believe in Financial Peace University. This is why we believe honoring God with, our, with, with what he's given us first. Because this, this was a, a staggering stat I came across that just in America, just in America, 78% 78, 78 of people live just paycheck to paycheck. And I'm like, well, some of that has to do with wages. And what they found is this. The amount of debt that we carry is overwhelming people. And what happened is this, at the end of it, there's this lie that you do not have enough. And this is why you need this. And this is why the, the last thing of the marketing that people do is this. And I didn't realize this, but the fifth most common way of that marketing works is this. It's big data mining. Do you know this, that everybody is harvesting your information and my information all the time? This is why you can look up something on, on, the, on the internet. You're looking at, you know, shoes, Zappos for shoes. And then you get on Facebook hey, here's an ad for Zappos. You ought to buy those shoes. And it's the exact pair of shoes. You're like, who's here? Zuckerberg, what are you doing, man? You know? 
And, then, and, here's, and here's what's happening. Everybody knows they're picking up on everything. And this is what they're doing. They're, they're mining your data, my data, so they can know this. I want to present to you what you do not have so you will buy this. And they continue to play off our fear. And I'm telling you, this question of do I have enough and will I have enough, it will never go away. The question is, what are we doing with that question? See, actually, matter of fact, what we find is this. In the very beginning of the Bible, when God created enough for Adam and Eve, what Satan used was this question and this idea, Adam and Eve, you don't have enough. That, that's, that's what he came and he tempted him with. But this is how he dressed it up. See, a lot of times we don't understand when we're getting suckered in and all this other stuff's going on. We don't know it. The advertisers don't come out and say this. You don't have enough. You should buy mine. We go, no, I, I got plenty. No, that's never how they advertise. Listen what Satan said to Adam and Eve. He said this, when he came along to Adam and Eve, he said, no, no, no. He goes, I know God's giving you all that. He goes, but why don't you go eat from that tree? God had given them more than enough. Gave them a whole garden. It's like, Adam, cut down a tree, make a canoe, take Eve for a boat ride. Do something else, my man. And Satan's like, no, 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 no. Go to that tree and begin to believe that you do not have enough. And this is what Satan uses. Listen how he dressed up the lie to him. He says, because then if you eat from that tree, your eyes are going to be opened. And he literally says this, and you will be like God. Doesn't that sound good? Yes. What Adam and Eve forgot was this. They were already made in the image of God. God had already provided all that they needed. Oftentimes when I get suckered into believing I don't have enough, what I'm forgetting is that Christ is enough and I'm made in his image and he has set me free and he has promised to provide everything that I need. See, this is how Satan loves to work. Matter of fact, this is what he does to Jesus in the desert when Jesus is praying and fasting, preparing his ministry, about ready to launch a global movement because he knows the world needs rescued. And Satan shows up and this is what he does. He begins to question Jesus to get him to think maybe he's not enough. And what he tempts him is this. He says this to him. He goes, if you are the son of God, meaning this, if you are enough, because I don't think you are, Jesus. If you are enough, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into what? Anybody remember? Bread. Prove yourself. Prove that you really are enough. And what he was trying to get Jesus to believe, maybe I don't have enough. This is why Satan begins to tempt him. He goes, hey, if you just worship me, I'll give you all the kingdom. And what he was saying is this, just worship me and you won't have to go to the cross. Worship me because Jesus, I don't think you have enough. And see, what we've got to be able to understand is this. This is why we have to feast at the table with the Father is because you and I, we are so prone to leave the table with Jesus and go feast on what the world says. Oh, no, 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 you need this more over here. And what we find is when we feast on it, it never satisfies. It never quenches what is in our soul. Matter of fact, what I want to look at today is I want to look at a, a moment when the disciples didn't believe that Jesus was enough. And what happened was this, when they begin to process that question, what they found with Jesus was this. Not only was he enough, he was more than enough. Matter of fact, we're gonna look at a miracle today in the Bible that is the only miracle that is recorded in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's this incredible miracle of feeding of the 5,000. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, Nate, we're gonna talk about a miracle, man. I, I don't believe in those miracles. I, this Jesus thing, maybe, but miracles, they don't really work. You can't scientifically prove it. Let me just let you understand why the Bible, when they talk about the miracles that Jesus does, let me just put this on the table for us. The reason why miracles are in the Bible is this, and you may wanna write this down. Miracles don't prove Jesus. Miracles reveal who Jesus is. 
They reveal who Jesus is. He's not walking around trying to go, you know, ding, 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 trying to impress everybody, thinking like, look what I can do. He's not doing that. Every time Jesus does a miracle, he's trying to reveal who he is. And when he feeds the 5,000, what he's telling the crowd is this, I am more than enough for you. I'm more than enough for you. And he knows this question that we're asking today. God, am I going to have enough? Maybe the question for you isn't even, will I have enough? The question you're asking today is this of yourself, am I enough? See, we're always wondering that. We're always, it's always in the back of our mind. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 6, or it'll be up on the screen and taking notes. You can put it in your, set in the table, booklet. But listen to this whole scenario here in Mark chapter 6, because Jesus wants to reveal to the disciples that he is more than enough And it says this in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and were taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Let me give you the scenario. Jesus began to send out the disciples to be table setters. And they started telling the world about Jesus. They started doing miracles. They started doing healing. They started sharing Jesus with everybody around them. See, your calling isn't just to come to church. Your calling is to come to Jesus and then go set the table for the world to know him. He has a bigger purpose and plan for you. For some of you, this whole idea of enough, you're going, Nate, I got more than enough to retire on. And your problem is this. It's not that you don't have enough money. The problem is you don't have enough purpose in your life. And Jesus says, I am your purpose. At my table, you find what your life was made for. I have enough for you. Matter of fact, Jesus was going through his own hard time in this moment. Right before this, in Mark chapter 6, King Herod had cut the head off of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Because his new wife that he stole from his brother wanted him dead. So I just want you, I want want you, before we talk about this miracle of feeding the 5,000, I want you to know the condition of what Jesus is in. The government just assassinated his cousin who started his ministry. Would you be ticked? Just a little. And with that going on in his heart and in his life, listen what Jesus does. Verse 32, it says, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. He's going, Father, I need to get away with you, man. I, I need you to be enough because it's not about just working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. It is about you being enough. And they went away to get in a boat, to be in a solitary place with their heavenly father. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from the towns and got there ahead of them. Imagine that. Jesus is trying to get some, he's just trying to get a little rest, man. He's going, I just need a little moment. This is why all of us have bought the ring, you know, for our doorbell. We're like, who is that? I ain't answering, right, you know. I ain't showing up. I ain't going to the door. Man, it's your mom. No, I ain't going. I always answer the door for my mom. But here's the thing. Jesus, they all get there ahead of him. He's trying to to rest, relax. And many of them got there ahead of him. And when Jesus landed, listen to his heart here. He saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. You need to know today your heavenly father sees you and he knows the questions that you're asking in your heart. Will I have enough? Am I enough? And he sees you and he knows you and he has compassion on you because he knows you and I are like a sheep without a shepherd. 
This is why in the text, what happens is this, this whole idea of a shepherd, you're going, we're sheep, shepherd. Here's what a shepherd was. A shepherd was a physician for the sheep. The shepherd was the provider. He was the guide. He was the protector. And this is what Jesus says. He sees all these people and he goes, oh man, they are hungry. They don't have enough in their life. And he sees them and he has compassion on them and he begins to teach them. This is why we all love Psalm 23, verse one, one of the most famous Psalms when it says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be, what? In want. Because what David knows is this, heavenly father, You are my shepherd. It's not that he doesn't have enough. He's worried, but he knows this. You are my shepherd. You are with me. Jesus begins to teach them this stuff. But in verse 35, it says, but this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, Jesus. And it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside, villages, and buy themselves something to eat. We don't have enough, Jesus. Send them away. Very spiritual. Listen to what Jesus says. I love it. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. And what he's doing is this. He's challenging the idea, do you believe that I'm enough for this? You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them? And then Jesus, all right, all right, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. And then it says this, when they found out, they said to him, we got five loaves and two fish. I love what it says in John chapter 6, 6, that when Jesus says, you give them something to eat, John records this in John chapter 6, verse 6. I love this. He says this to Philip. He said, and he only asked Philip this to test him for he already knew what he had in mind, what he was going to do. Don't you love that Jesus is a prankster? What a dirty dog. He's like, you give him something to eat. Right? He already had in his mind. And what he was doing is this. He's pushing Philip and he's pushing the disciples. Do you believe that I'm going to be enough for this situation? This is going to be eight months, Jesus. We don't have enough. We can't feed. We can't do this. Well, go see how many loaves you got. Go and see. Jesus, all we got is five loaves, two fish. And we got about 12,000 people. When it says 5,000 men showed up, we got women and children to count as well. So we're talking about 10, 12,000 people here. You can be enough on five loaves and two fish. Good luck, Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse 39. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And we got to pay attention to this. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Your original table setters. And he also divided the two fish among them all. And then listen what happened. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Here's what Jesus was teaching the disciples in that crowd today. And here's what I think he's teaching you and I today is simply this. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. That You and I will never have enough in this life until we realize that Jesus is enough. You and I are never gonna have enough. Your spouse can't give you enough. Your children can't have enough success for you 
to be enough. Your career can't pay you enough. Because as soon as they give you a pay raise, you go, you know what? I have been working hard. I think I'm worth more than that. You're like, they just gave you more. It's never enough. Never enough. And what Jesus is telling the disciples and what he's telling you and I is this. You and I will never have enough until we realize Jesus is enough. Well, how do we realize Jesus is enough? What we need to do is we need to pay attention to what Jesus did in this moment. Because Jesus is showing us the way for him to be enough. And if you want to have enough, if you want Jesus to be enough, if you want your soul, I love that the scripture says that they all ate and were satisfied. And if you want your soul to be satisfied, we need to do what Jesus did. And the first thing Jesus did in this section was this. He looked up. Did you catch that? Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. A lot of times we just kind of blow through this passage and we go, oh, yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, you know, five loaves, two fish. Who even eats fish today? You know, I don't know about all this other stuff. And we're going, we're just kind of going through it. And you see the first thing Jesus did? He took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up. You know what my problem is most of the time why I don't believe I have enough in my life? Because I'm looking down or I'm looking around. God, why do they have so much and I, I don't? First thing Jesus did was this. He took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up. The one who could have blessed it, the one who could have said, in the name of me, right? Everybody eat here, right? He takes the five loaves and the two fish and he looks up. And what he's doing is this. He's showing you and I that everything we have in everyday life, everything, Father needs to come first. Jesus, you are the one who's gonna be enough. You're the one who's gonna feed this crowd. God, I'm looking to you to be enough. That's what Jesus is doing in that moment. The problem is too often times we don't look down. We look to ourselves. We look down literally in our phone. We look around. We look everywhere but up. Matter of fact, this happened in the Old Testament too when God was delivering the Israelites out of Egypt and he provided food for them every day. He provided bread called manna and every day it would fall down from heaven for them. And literally, this is what would happen. Some people would take it and then they would take like six or seven, you know, loaves of it and they'd stuff it. You know, I don't know if they had shirts, you know, but they'd stuff it in their shirt and they'd hold it. And here's what happened. It said overnight, what would happen to all the excess that they would gather, God would rot it. And you know why? Because God was teaching them a lesson. I am enough for you every single day. Look up. Look up. I'm enough for you. I'm enough. What is your need? What is your hunger? Because I'm enough. And I will be enough every day for you. Matter of fact, people started circling back around to Jesus and they go, hey, Jesus, remember that time you gave us that bread? Can you give us some more? Like Jesus is a vending machine or a slot machine, you know? Just, just kind of pour out the bread. But this time, can it be wheat, you know? Or, or do you have any gluten-free in there, Jesus? You know, I'm on keto. Can it be something else, right? You know, we have all this other stuff. And here's what happens. They go, Jesus, we just want the bread. He goes, you don't want me, you just want what I can do for you. And this is what he tells him in John chapter six, verse 35. He goes, you just want what I can do for you. And then he says this to him, he goes, you need to understand, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never go thirsty. Quit feasting on what I can just give you and you feast on me, you come sit at my table because I am more than enough. For you. Then he goes on to say this in verse 40 For my Father's will. Anybody ever wondered what God's will is for your life? It's right here. That's why we got to look up, we got to look to Jesus. Verse 40 For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life right now, and I will raise him up at the last day. He's saying, Your life begins now. But you got to look up. 
You gotta look up and believe that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the desires of your heart. And then this is what Jesus does right after that. He looks up and then it says this, and then he gave thanks. See, when we look up, here's what happens. Our heart becomes to be generous. And what Jesus does in this moment, he looks up and then he gives thanks. He goes, God, thank you because you're gonna provide for me. You're gonna provide for all of us what we need because you are enough. And what we gotta do is this, we gotta look up and then we gotta start giving thanks. Literally that word thanks is the word Eucharist. This is why when we take communion here in a little bit, we're gonna take the bread and the juice and what we do when we take the bread and the juice, we proclaim, Jesus, you are enough. What you did on the cross is enough for me. You are the good gift. That's what Eucharist means. You are the good gift that you've given me. Matter of fact, too many times this is what happens. I begin to forget how good God has been to me. And I wanna put this up on the screen. I don't want us to forget today how good God has been. I wanna line out a couple of things that scripture says of who you and I are in Jesus when we begin to look in him and believe in him to be enough and to save us. Look at this list on the screen. This is what begins, you need to remember who you are. If you go, I'm not very thankful, begin to begin to remember how good he has been to. This is who we are in Jesus. Listen what the list says. Scripture says this, when you begin to look to him to trust Christ, you are chosen, you are not rejected. You are redeemed, you are not disregarded, you are made holy, you are not a mistake, you are made new, you are not washed up, you are alive, not dead, you are sanctified, not stagnant, you are growing, not falling behind, you are justified, not guilty, you are blessed, not cursed, you are an overcomer, not defeated, you are adopted into the family of God, you are not alone, you are a friend of God, not an enemy, you have been made light, not darkness, you are powerful in the spirit, not powerless. You are winning, not losing. You are saved, not condemned. You are eternal, not temporary. You are generous, not ungrateful. You are a follower, not an imposter because you are in Jesus. You are not at the table of the world. It's more than enough. You and I looking up, You and I looking up, he's more than enough. He's more than enough. But Jesus does something here that's very interesting that we cannot skip over. He looks up, he gives thanks because he goes, Father, you're gonna feed this crowd. You're more than enough. I'm looking to you to do it. You have the provision, you have the power, and I give you thanks. And then he did this. Then it says he broke the loaves and he began to pass them out. Every miracle, this is what you and I need to remember, every miracle included participation. Every miracle included people stepping in to what God had for him. And you know whose faith led the way? This is what I love about this passage. The disciples, we don't have enough, Jesus. Go find it. And you know who had five loaves and two fish? Anybody remember? It was a little kid. Hey, uh, Jesus wants your lunch, right? You know what I love the faith about that little kid in the story? He goes, here you go. And isn't it amazing? It was the faith of a child that upstaged the faith of the disciples. Here you go. 
It was the faith of the child. I'm looking up. I'm giving thanks. I believe that you're enough. Here's what Jesus did when he broke the loaves open. What happened was this. He did it with loaves that were given to him. A little boy who trusted him to say, Jesus, you're enough. Here you go. And, and you know what? That little boy, he ate that day. And he ate all he wanted because there was 12 baskets left over. He ate it. Here's what you and I need to remember. When we look up and we give thanks, God is saying this. You need to remember to break your lives open for my kingdom. You need to begin to be people who step into what I have for you. This isn't God walking around as a genie. This is you and I stepping in and trusting him, going, God, I know I'm afraid if I'm going to have enough of God, I'm going to step into what you have for me. And can you imagine how long that little kid must have gone through his whole life? He was going, hey, you remember that day I gave Jesus my lunch? In the words of Tommy Boy, that was awesome. <laughs> you remember that moment in your life? That you look back and you said, I remember trusting Jesus that day and everything changed. Because you began to look up and give thanks to him and you broke your lives open. See, this is the power of Jesus. He's going, I am more than enough. But here's the deal. You got to break your lives open. You got to let me in. And here's what happens. Then you need to begin to step in to what I have for you. See, this whole thing about setting the table, this whole thing about making room for others, this isn't something you and I can do. This is why what we're saying is this, 100% of us, Jesus is calling, I want all of us to step into a relationship with him. Matter of fact, in your journal, before Wednesday or this week, I wanna encourage you to read page 68. We put a prayer in there to help you to begin to pray, God, I need you to be enough. Because the heavenly father wants to do more than we could ask or imagine. Right now our volunteers are gonna go back and get ready to serve communion. And what I want to draw our attention to is this. There, there's a, a great Christian author, his name is Max Lucado. Great Christian author. And I love he had a commentary about this passage. I wanna share it with you today. This is what he said. He asked this question, he says, what if the disciples Instead of counting to seven, they counted to eight. I'm like, I'm not smart enough to read this guy. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, Max. He went on to explain. He said, the disciples, all they saw were five loaves and two fish. And what they forgot to count was this, the person in front of them. And he said, what if that day the disciples began not to count seven, but they counted eight? Because in the hands of Jesus, our seven can do more than we could possibly ask or imagine. Today, the problem is this. I think too many of us, myself included, we're counting to seven, not eight. In your marriage, in your relationship, you're counting to seven and you forget there's one who is enough that can redeem and change everything in your identity. All you do is you can count to seven and I'm not enough and I'm not this and look at her and look at him and I'm not enough. Count to eight. Count to eight. And the lights are going out on me. He's like, I counted to 10. Shut it down. I'm at the Oscars. I get it. My time is over. Here's what I want us to do. In a moment, we're going to take 
communion. We're going to take the bread and the juice. Northside family, this season, over the next two years, God's counting on us. He's calling us to count to eight. There's more that God wants to do in and through us. And he is more than enough. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to do what Jesus did before we take the bread and the juice. I want us to look up as we pray into this moment of communion. It's awkward to look up. Matter of fact, in Jewish tradition, you were supposed to look down when you prayed. You bowed your head. Matter of fact, you would pray before the meal, you'd pray after the meal. And Jesus said, no, I'm about ready to have a meal. And here's the deal, Heavenly Father, only you can do this. Because only you are enough. And so God, right now, with our eyes open, we're looking up, maybe for the first time we're praying and talking to you in a long time. And the first words we wanna say to you is that you're enough. Because you gave us Jesus. And so right now, Heavenly Father, for every fear that we carry, Father, I'm mindful, mindful of where I don't feel like I have enough. I don't have enough wisdom, don't have enough courage, don't have enough this, don't have enough that. God, I am very aware. But right now I say that you're enough. That Jesus, what you did on the cross, that you defeated sin and death and you conquered all things and you are ruling and reigning right now over all of the world, you are enough for me. Jesus, you are enough for us. And so when we take this bread and the juice, Jesus, would you overwhelm us with your love? Would you overwhelm us once again with your grace and your mercy? And would you convict us of where we're counting to seven because you make eight. And so, Father, we take communion now to say thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. And everybody said together, amen. Let's take communion together.